What's your Everest? You know, the highest mountain on earth, a metaphor for a goal that is so big that it scares you to even speak it out loud. That goal that takes more than a season, a year, or maybe takes a lifetime to even accomplish. I'm Colleen Rue, the voice of the mountain and your host as we meet inspiring individuals who know what it's like to set big goals and how to accomplish them. Welcome to My Everest, a 29029 podcast. I don't know about you, but I just can't get enough of Joni Rich. If you haven't, go back and listen to episode 41 so you can meet Joni and get a glimpse of why she owns 13 red hats and plans to keep climbing. Joni is a wealth of knowledge, not only on the mountain, but at home too. She is generous with her time, taking calls and answering messages from participants in our community. It's part of what makes her such a legend. While I had Joni in the podcast hot seat, I figured we'd produce a little bonus episode and get some answers to those questions everyone's always asking her. What do you think the two most commonly asked questions I get are? Why are you doing this? <laughs> it's why do you keep coming back and what's your favorite mountain? I mean, uh, it's, it's, I've been asked it like a million times. And can you answer the, what's your favorite mountain? I mean, do you have an answer for that? So they're all so different. So I, I personally do have a favorite mountain, but they're all so different. Like, I was like, well, what's the hardest? What's the easiest? I'm like, they're all hard. There's no way, like 29,000, 29 vertical feet, whether you do it, like, how do you want it? You want it long and slow? You want it fast and steep? Like, it's just, it's just, it's like, I always say, it's like going to a restaurant ordering a steak. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you order, whether it's rare or well done, it's still a steak. Right, so right. It's still the same amount of feet. It's just, we get it in different, in different offerings, you know, yes. in different ways to get there. Um, you know, I love Sun Valley. Um, I'm going to say that I think the hardest one for me personally, and not everybody agrees with me is Utah. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to wrap my head around why I think it's so hard. And I'm not really sure. One thing is 2.3, those 2.3 miles are hard and they're long. Um, and, you know, I find myself at that mountain. Uh, I have to really watch my time. Yeah, I have to really, really be careful of my time management there for sure. Uh, the other ones, I felt like I had a little bit more of a cushion, but again, I'm not sure that it's the mountain or the fact that it's got the highest elevation of all the ones we're at. So, you know, that's, and it's typically very, very hot there. Yeah. It comes at a very warm time. It, the sun, even if it's not, the temperature isn't hot. It's, you're at such a high elevation that the sun is very, very warm and it just so I, is different. I think, yeah, I think that's why that's one of the harder ones. And you've heard me say this at least 10 times, but one of the reasons why I love Sun Valley is when we're there, it's almost the longest day of the year. Yes. It doesn't get dark till like 10 o'clock at night and it's light when we start. So there's not a lot of night hiking. Um, and I love night hiking. I think it's beautiful. And I think it's, if you want to do some soul searching, go hike at night. But you know, you don't want to do a lot of it if you don't have to. Well, you're <laughs> slower. I mean, you're slower at night, no matter what. Every Everybody's slower at night. And you're right, Sun Valley, with the summer solstice being just weeks away, it's so much sunshine. And in 2021, we had too much sunshine. No, that was 20. 21 was so hot. It was like 90 degrees. Oh, you're Remember? right. It was, yeah, it, was, it was brutal. It was. <laughs> but and, and then we went the next year and it was much cooler and, and totally oh, different. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. So funny. So yeah, that's that's. So when people ask, typically I say I do love Sun Valley. I just think Idaho is a cool place, and, and mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I'll always, my heart will always be with Vermont because it's where it started. 
Um, I think Whistler is just a really cool spot. And I love that hike because that's the kind of hiking I did, mm -hmm. like through the mountain on a trail, you know. So I'll always, I love Whistler for that. Um, where else have we been? Oh, Jackson Hole. Yeah. Jackson Hole's really, it's short and steep, but man, does that have my name written all over it. Right. It's it's like interval work. It's almost like mountain interval work. It's very different. And I think your approach has to be very different. And that's why I think, like you said, they all have these unique little flavors to them that make the experience climbing them very different. I was, you know, it's funny. I take a lot of calls from people who that reach out to me in Mighty Networks. They're like, can we talk? And, and I'm, I'm happy to talk to all of them. And I, it's funny. I say like, you know, if you're doing Jackson Hole and you forgot something, no big deal. You'll get it next time. It's only a mile up. You're going to be back in an hour. If you forgot something at Whistler. Right. You got four miles. Back there for a few hours. So, you know, a lot of those things too, you have to look at very differently. I mean, I, I, they're all just different. And so for me, each event, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, I'm doing another event. Each event is so different from the one before because the terrain's different. The weather's different. Where I'm flying to is different. Um, you know, all those things come into play. Yeah, it it's never the same. And year after year, the same mountain can, like we talked about Sun Valley, one year it was very, very hot. The next year we had very mild temperatures. So you just never know. And that's why I think it takes us full circle back to the Joni way of doing things is show up prepared, be as prepared as you possibly can and be ready. I have, to I have this corner in my closet and it's basically anything you would ever need for any 20 or 20 with any weather. So it has everything from winter hats and boots to the tiniest pair of shorts that I own because it's going to be really hot. And then I sort of pull everything out. And then depending on the event is what I put in my bag. I love that. I love that. I think I have a similar part of my closet as well, <laughs> where, oh, here's the ponchos and all the rain gear. And here's the sun hats and all of the light clothes. It's, it's great. I mean, it's just definitely become a way of life. And I love our little mountain life that we have. And it's, you I want to give it up question that I get a lot, which is a funny one. Do I really have to wear the mandatory backpack? Ah, oh, mandatory gear, yes. And I said, you know, <laughs> I've been stuck on the mountain halfway up and got caught in a rainstorm. And I, you know, this was before it was mandatory. And I would have been a lot happier had I been able to put my jacket on. Yeah. So the answer is yes. It is honestly, the stuff rolls up in a ball. It's really not a big deal, but you do not want to be stuck on the mountain if we get, and, you know, we've, more often than not, we've encountered some kind of wet weather. Uh, look at Vermont. It doesn't matter. We could be there on the most bluebird of bluebird days. And that there's so much runoff on that mountain. It's always wet. Yeah. So like I, I always wear waterproof shoes. If there's one thing I don't want, it's wet feet. Yeah. It's so you know, it, you, it's that to me is a no brainer every time. Yeah. You just, you just have to be, have to be prepared. And that's what that mandatory gear is for. Even if the sun is shining, we have seen it get to a point where you're soaking you know, wet. Speaking of wet mountains, you know, you think about Sun Valley this year, which was absolutely a beautiful weekend, but what people don't know is there was still snow on that mountain. Yep. So it was muddy, yep. even though there was no rain. And you know, that's a good thing about that. Sometimes like, you don't want wet mud seeping into your shoes all weekend. You're going to, you're going to be miserable. Yeah. And those are the things that affect your performance. I said to somebody, one, one year that year, that terrible year in Utah, I remember I got dressed in the dark and it was a giant mistake because what I didn't realize was I put my sock on a little off kilter and guess what? 
had a blister the size of a cherry on my foot. So it's like little problems like that. Like be careful when you put your socks on, be careful when you put your shoes on, wear your shoes ahead of time. If something's rubbing, figure out why, fix it then, you know, it doesn't mean throw your shoes out. It means put in a pair of moleskin or tie them less or, you know, figure it out though. Everything's going to be amplified after 36 hours on the mountain. Something that, oh, the sports broad kind of rubs a little bit weird. Well, 36 hours later and you've got a chafe spot. If it rubbed rubbed a little bit in hour three by hour 33, it's going to be a nightmare. It's like a razor (laughs) blade. And so you're, you're absolutely right where everything gets compounded. So that's why we practice and we train and we show up ready to go. We don't try anything new on the mountain unless, I mean, there are times that you have to break from what you normally do and try something because something else isn't working. But we have the time and we have the privilege to prepare and get ready and to show up on that day with everything in our arsenal that we need. That's true. I mean, you should even for some people, and I've told this to some people, if they don't like to eat breakfast and they're intermittent fasters and that kind of stuff, I said, you've got to work on your eating. You cannot, this is not a time for dieting. This is not a time for fasting. You know, you like teach your body how to start digesting food earlier in the morning. You're going to burn through it. I guarantee you that. But you can't go till one o'clock in the afternoon without eating anything. You're not going to make it. There's a perfect example this year. I forget what mountain. It was a father and son and the kid was an intermittent faster and he refused. And I said, I go back on and start doing it again on Monday. But you've got to eat. Yeah. You know, you've got to eat. This is not a time for that. Yeah. And And what your your body is unheard of. Right. Endurance sport requires you to have good nutrition pre, pre-start. pre I mean, you've got to get good nutrition before and you've got to have nutrition throughout. And all of these mountains require something a little bit different. Maybe the elevation requires a little more fuel. You might need something a little bit different at Snow Basin than you would in Vermont. It's so different and you just have to be willing to be flexible and and not be so concrete. I think that's, you know, like you were talking about this father and son. Don't be so concrete. You know, that's actually, that's the best point we've made is, is like I said, you can't come in with a plan and be disappointed the minute. Like you have to be ready to pivot at any time. You can't control the fact that we're going to have a storm like we did in Idaho and shut the mountain down for two and a half hours in the middle of the day. Even, listen, I wasn't thrilled about that. I'm like, there goes my plan. I better come up with plan B. Yeah, You know, but you just come up with plan B and move forward. That's all you can do. Listen, we could any year have a 30 hour thunderstorm and none of us are going to get red hats. I mean, that's just going to wait the way it's going to be, you know? So that's, you know, I can't, I can't control the weather, but I can control the fact that I can quickly pivot and come up with what my new plan is going to be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's, that's how we find success. And that's how we can keep doing it over and over again is with all those little things we've put out so much great advice, but we've talked about a lot of technical advice and physical preparation, but what's the one piece of mental mindset advice you would give someone if this was their first time? I think actually it's something that you said, you know, stop looking so far ahead. Look at each ascent and concentrate on that one and just get up and stop worrying about number 17. If you're only on number three, you know, each each ascent, and I'm I can this I will I would bet a million dollars on this. I could climb the same mountain, and each ascent is going to be completely different than the one before it. So you know, I think you can't really like you got to look at it in little bite sized pieces, and not this giant thing. Let's do the one we're at. Let's recognize what we need to fix, 
Let's figure out what our gate's going to be. Let's figure out what our timing is going to be. We'll finish up. And then on my way down, I'll reevaluate and come up with a plan for the next climb, the next ascent. But, you know, if you're thinking in really giant, if all you're thinking about is finishing, you're thinking about the wrong thing. Just finish about the, enjoy the moment where you are and take it in instead of worrying about all those other things. And the other thing I tell people all the time, <laughs> you've heard me say this a million times, and, you know, some people will disagree with me, but ditch the headphones. It really, to me, is a way. So, and I always say this, we all train with headphones. We listen to music. We listen to podcasts. We listen to the news, whatever. But when you're there on the mountain, it really is, number one, it's a disconnector. And so when I'm climbing and I come up towards someone and I say, like, how you doing? A great job. And they're like, they're not listening to me. And I realize they're missing out on so much. They're missing out on the community. They're missing out on the sounds of nature around them. So I say like ditch the headphones so you can really get a full feeling of what's going on around you. Um, and that would help too, because you can really gain a lot by being with other people on those climbs and meeting different people. And so that's something that I, I think is really, really important is if you're going to sit there and you're going to be in your own little world with your headphones, you are going to miss out on so much. It might be valuable advice. It might be somebody that tells you a great story. It might be somebody who, my God, you have the exact same pace and it's just really nice to be with them. And and it, listen, the next ascent may be very different, but I think it's one at a time, you know, slowly chip away. One of the things that I do is people always say like, what number are you on? What number are you on? At most of those mountains, I don't even start counting till I'm in double digits. It doesn't matter. You're so, you're at the infant stages of it. What does it matter if I'm on three or six? Mm -hmm. I got a long way to go. I'm not thinking in those terms. I don't start thinking in those terms till we're getting close to the end. Climb, enjoy it, be out there, take advantage of like being in some of the most beautiful places in the country, in the middle of nature. I mean, seeing deer across the path and all kinds of cool stuff like that. Like, don't be on the phone missing it. Yeah. Don't, don't let life pass you by like that, especially when you're we're given. so digital and we're so data driven for just a little bit. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Let it go because the relationships you're going to create with the real people who are around you are going to be the biggest, most lasting memories that you're going to take from this experience. Yeah, that being said, look, sometimes people come to me in the mountain and I, you know, I'm struggling too. Like, I don't feel like having a whole full conversation. Oh, sure. You know, we all feel like that. Somebody wants to come to me and they go, Johnny, I feel so sorry for you. Like, you just can't hide. And I said, but you know, people recognize when I'm having, a, like, I'm, you know, I'm digging deep and I don't have a lot to say. Sometimes I have a lot to say. Sometimes I'm just not there. Yeah. You know, that's acceptable too. I get that. You can tell when you talk to somebody. Yeah. And it's, and it's totally fine. And it's okay to, for someone to say, I cannot have a conversation right now. Happy to listen. Can't have a you know, another question I get a lot. This is a good one too. I'm going with my husband or my best friend and they haven't really trained as much as me. And I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to leave them. I want to be with them, but I'm, they might not finish. And I really want to. And is it okay to ditch them? And like, what do I do? And do you get that question a lot? Cause I do all the time. And I, I yeah. tell people I break couples up all the time because we are individual people having individual experiences, but we can collectively still experience the same thing. And I see it all the time where there's one person who's just feeling great. Like you said, every ascent is a little bit different. Somebody's feeling great and then the other person feels like trash and we feel like we have to stay with them the whole entire time. There may come a point and it may not happen all the time, but there may come a point where you're just better splitting up. Let that person 
hike at their own pace that they're feeling at that time. You hike at your own pace and I promise everything will work out in the wash. Like you'll absolutely. I, I, in Whistler this year, I had two of my girlfriends from down here in Florida with me and we did like the first two or three, first two together. And I could tell my one girlfriend, she needed to peel off and be by herself. If she wanted to do it. She couldn't hear the noise. She was, it was going to be a little bit harder for her. I knew she was still going to finish, but she needed to do it the way she needed to do it. And no offense taken. You go, you do you. This is, we've paid a lot of money for this. You know, you don't, there's a time to be somewhat selfish and like, you know, it's, it's, it, maybe that's not the right word, but you, you do this however you need to do it to get through it. No one is going to be upset with you. Mike say, I'm so mad at you. You didn't stay with me the whole time. I'm so excited for her that she finished and she figured out how to do it. And you know what? I want her to have the best experience ever. Yeah. And, you know, for her, she needed to be alone to dig deep. And typically that's me. So I completely get that. And I always say it is okay to break up. You it know, is. It's a short period of time. You're going to see each other again. I promise you. Well, and so many times I've watched couples where someone will get ahead of the other person. And what they do is they just wait. Say you want to do your red bib lap together. They just sit yeah. and wait for 20 minutes or they take an extra long lunch and then you guys are back together. And you can remember finish together. You remember who waited for me one year for my red bib? You had breakfast because I had to go change. Remember we got soaked on. Yes. Is Thomas. Thomas. We finished Devlin. our number six together. That was so special. Probably one of my favorite times. Yeah. And, really and so special. just because you have to climb a little bit differently doesn't mean that you can't finish together. And don't let that be something that really derails your experience. And if you're coming with people... If you're coming with friends, if you're coming with a partner, I think you have to have that discussion and just say, listen, the first 16 laps in Vermont, those we're just going to see how they flow. If we're together, that's great. We will have a plan to do our last lap together and we can make that happen. But don't don't tie yourself down because you never know what kind of day you're going to have. And I have seen people who will not would not have finished and gotten their red hat had they not split from the people that they were with. So something else to say is that it is not that it's not cool to do it, but I'm going to take a really good guess because I've never done it. That finishing and getting your red hat with no one there in the middle of the night is probably really anticlimactic. I don't, I don't want to speak for um, Thomas Zebley, but he mm -hmm. once told me I will never finish again at night because he's, (laughs) he's done that many times. A lot of his first ascents even he and Jen, his wife, had finished in the dark and they said, we'll never do it again. We'll go to bed and we'll wait till and, the morning. You know, one other thing that people should know, and if you've been there, you do know it. And if you don't, you can't. it's something you need to see. You know, watch me finishing is not very exciting. We sort of know as long as I'm healthy and the weather's good, that's going to happen. But when I'm done and a good portion of us will shower and grab something to eat and get stretched real quick. And then we go to the top of the mountain and we start cheering people on as they come through. And as the day goes on, it gets better and better because these people have dug so deep and it gets so emotional watching them finish. And you, that's who I'm so excited for. I'm not that, this me, I'm not that exciting, but watching these people. And one of the best parts is towards the end of the day on Saturday, you leave the bottom of the mountain and come to the top. Yeah. And at this point now, you have really close relationships with everybody. You know everything. And as they're coming, they're rounding the corner with the red bib, and they are digging deep. And you are telling the story of what's gone on with them over the last 30 hours or 35, six hours. 
and you're standing there with their kids or their wife or their husband, their parents. And it is like a cry fest. It's so emotional. And you tell such a good story about these people. Oh, it's, it's and my favorite time. It's my favorite part of the weekend. I always it's, tell people, just wait, just wait and finish. Wait, just, just wait. If you have time, just go sit down at the bottom of the mountain and just wait because, so you know, it's, there's nothing. And that's what's special about 29029. It's not a race. It doesn't, we don't care who finishes first. We don't care who finishes last. It doesn't right. matter to us what time you finish. Somebody was asking me the other day, they had texted me and said, do you know what time the first finisher was the the fastest first finisher on any of the mountains at 29 or 29? I was like, I mean, I don't, I have some good guesses for you, but if you're really looking for metrics, I don't have them. I I also think that's the wrong question to ask because that's not what this is about. And when we start answering that question, we give people expectations that just don't matter. They don't matter at all. If it took Wooch it, it, I remember 16 one hours year, and you we were standing next to a woman who was the first finisher somewhere and she was telling everybody about it. And what she couldn't see was that everybody around her was feeling dejected. And I'm like, this is the wrong message. It doesn't matter. It no, you know, now you're making all these people feel a little less than good. And that's not what we're here for. And I, I don't care. Look, I could probably finish a lot earlier if I wanted to. I could do this fast. It does, I don't need to. It's not, you that's know, not what it's for. It. Yeah, exactly. It's so not what it's for. I, I think that that definitely, um, I, I mean, that's good and all if you want to be fast and first, but you're, again, you're not going to get recognized for it. Yeah. And take <laughs> yeah. the pressure off yourself. You don't, you don't need that. Do, do you go out there and do your experience? And if it's fast, if it's 36 hours, if it's 32 hours, if it's 22 hours, we don't care. You do you and we'll celebrate it all. You know how many times I've sat with somebody in an aid station and given up my time, just like they're not feeling, and I'll be like, well, you know, I'll sit with them for 10 minutes and talk and I'm going to I'm still going to get there. It's fine. It's not going to kill me. You know, there's a time when, listen, if, make hay while the sunshine. If you feel really good, bang it out while you feel good. But there's no, there's no shame in my game to stop and help somebody else or sit and talk or take the rest myself. Yeah. It's, that's almost my favorite part. And it's, it's something that for those of us who are competitive, it, is kind of nice to not have to be competitive. You know, it's funny that you say that because I do a lot of competitive things and it's funny that this is my favorite event and it's probably because it's not competitive and there's no pressure here, you know, except for to finish. But, you know, no one's, there's people are like, well, what's your time? I'm like, I don't know, there's no clock, you know? I mean, I don't even wear like a Garmin or anything on my wrist. You know, I wear a regular wristwatch. I mean, it doesn't matter. And I love that. I love that. I think we definitely touched on a lot of good stuff. We got tons <laughs> of good stuff. There you have it. My Everest, the latest episode of the 29029 podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about 29029 events or read more stories from an incredible community of individuals, you can head over to 29029everesting.com. That's 29029everesting.com. I'm Colleen Rue, the voice of the mountain. Keep climbing. We'll meet you at the next summit.